Yes, g'day once again to the Bevo and Biggie show. I'm up and about because in South Australia here we can go to pubs. The poor guy over there in Victoria, the man himself joining us on tonight's show, <laughs> he's in Victoria. I feel sorry for you, mate, but hey, you've had a very illustrious career as one of the few people that's played cricket and AFL at the highest level. You played for the Melbourne Renegades and the Dees and also for Victoria in cricket. Great to have you on for a chat, mate, and uh, Biggie, great to have you as always as well. Thanks for that, boys. Yeah, appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, can't wait to, to get stuck into it. And hey, boy, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Now, but you're giving this man a kick in the groin when he's got no way of, you know, standing up for himself here. So, you know, like, I'm a backup guy here because I'm a Richmond supporter here. So my, my football club is from the state he's in at the moment. That's so don't good. worry, guy, you'll come through on the other end, but your, yeah. um, your minister just needs a good slap, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, mate, it doesn't look good at the moment for us. We're, uh, it's, it's not too much fun being down in uh, boring old Melbourne. So I bet you people from bloody Adelaide at the moment looking down at us and laughing at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> well, there's a little bit of karma there, mate, because you mix are always trying to keep us like, over here. And now it's the other way, the other way and it's like, where? You're a bit quiet over there in Victoria. I oh, know. <laughs> Dan Andrews, he's, uh, he shut up after he said that comment about Adelaide, hasn't he? <laughs> We've seen some good memes going around. Yep. Like, you yeah, know, Melbourne, imagine. why would you want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> <can imagine>. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Sorry, just a quick question, pal. What have you been yep. doing with yourself now COVID's on? Like, obviously, we were chatting before we came online, Bevo, myself and yourself, and... You know, wondering, what, what have you been doing? Like, it's, it's a strange world we live in. So what's your life and your world like at the moment? Yeah, mate, I, I think it's, it's similar to a lot of people at the moment. There's a few things that have been put on, put on hold at the moment. So I was working with Speedo, fortunately, before COVID, and then we got stood down, and, and we're back at the moment. So it's been great to be back at Speedo for a little bit. But, um, yeah, just trying to keep myself engaged at the moment, mate, and, uh, and just try to learn a few new things and keep curious about other stuff. So. I've been going actually quite good at the moment. That's fantastic, mate. A pair of Speedos, so you work at Speedo. Yeah, yeah, mate. Like I said before when we were speaking, that I'll, uh, I reckon I might try and word up the, uh, the marketing team at Speedo and send over a couple of briefs for you to... Uh, I think the marketing budget's uh, been slashed this year, so I might have to try to, <laughs> try to get over... You might be the front cover of Speedo, mate, I reckon. <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> mate, you, you guys aren't doing that bad. Trust me, you're not doing that bad. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, oh, the unfortunate thing is, yeah, not much, as I was saying before, there's not much to see, to say the least. Um, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to, you know, make up that picture very well and have a whole lot of stuff on there to make. Oh, I'm sure they'll be able to Photoshop it well for you, mate. There you go. There you go. Are you trying to pull a horse wearing your speedo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's an image to to see, wouldn't it? Oh, Bevo, you're a sick man, that's for sure. I used to, I'd be happy to wear speedos. I used to be a bit of a uh, new model back in the day, at hens lights and art schools and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to get myself out in public and wearing little, very little. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to word him up again then and just say we've got a, we've got a keen ambassador to come ahead. A bit too keen, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got to do whatever you can to pay the bills, boys. That's <laughs> it, Yeah. Now, mate, um, I mentioned at the top of the show that you're, you're one of the uh, few people that's played footy at the highest level for the Ds and also uh, for Melbourne Renegades and, and represented your, your state for Victoria as well. 
very proudly. Um, and you're doing a podcast at the moment called The Athlete Diaries, and you've had a couple of Victorian boys on there. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so I've been trying to um, plan it for the last couple of years. I just haven't had the time with um, footy and cricket going on. But now, like everyone else at the moment, I think everyone just thought it's a great time to start a podcast. But um, for me, mate, it was just to, just to show the, the other sides of sport, to show that, that, yeah, it's like you see in the media, you'll, you see roses and sunshine about footballers and cricketers all the time. I just sort of wanted to, to be a bit more realistic and just try to get some of my friends and, and some people I don't know to come on and speak about their journey and challenges. And there's quite a bit of um, the boys so far that I've had on have touched on resilience and mental health and some stories and, uh, and a bit about that. So, mate, it's been awesome. We've got Will Pukowski coming up tomorrow um, and then got some big, big guests coming up as well, like big Maxie Gorn and oh, uh, a few of them. Maxie. Yeah, Johnny Hastings. So, mate, it's, getting, it's been awesome fun uh, and it's, been, it's had some good reception so far. So, enjoyed every minute of it. That's bloody awesome, mate. That's fantastic. Mate, yeah. I'm looking forward to see the Maxie Gorn one, mate. That'll be absolutely a bomb, mate. He's a hilarious, hilarious man. But he is. Give us a bit of a, a rundown, your journey into elite uh, AFL and elite cricket. You know, yep. that's a hell of a journey to be able to do both. You know, it, it takes, uh, you know, some people can only do one of them through their career, but you've done it in both. So there must be a hell of a journey from your younger years through to your senior years. Just give us a little bit of a, a look into the, the journey of Guy. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting journey. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to to be able to live out my dream in, in both, of, both of my sports. And it was... Um, sort of a long story short is that uh, sort of when I was a younger, younger fella and like a lot of blokes do, they play footy and cricket up until they're 17, 18. And I was just lucky enough to, to be a part of the Australian under 19s when I was 17 and, and still being able to play tack cup for the, for the Calder Cannons and Cricket Victoria came to me and they said, Hey mate, well, we're, uh, we want to offer you a rookie contract. And it was, I think it was the first 17 myself and Matt Short were the first 17 year olds to be contracted for a long time. So it was one of them where it's like you're weighing up. Do I go to footy or do I take the contract in cricket? Um, and I obviously went the, the cricket route. So, yeah, sort of it's pretty amazing when you – I was in year 11 at the stage and I went from literally going to school uh, to two days later walking into the Victorian change rooms with Cameron White, Glenn Maxwell, Aaron Finch, Matty Wade um, – and you, you walk in there as like a 17-year-old and all your idols. And I, I remember just being absolutely starstruck. And because you're in the change room with them, like, hey, mate, hey, walks here, yeah, mate. And you, I, I couldn't speak. I was like, hey, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, mate, it was interesting, interesting um, journey through there. Then, yeah, lucky enough to, to get a gig. I started off with the Melbourne Stars as a rookie. Um, that was amazing just to see some of the really big players in cricket to see the Kevin Petersons and, and the way that they go about life and cricket. Um, and then, yeah, got an opportunity with the Melbourne Renegades, um, made my debut as a 20-year-old against um, Brisbane, up at Gabba, and Chris Lynn smacked me everywhere, didn't go to play in that game. And that was literally pretty much the last game I ever played before that. Um, it just showed, it, It's a great example to show how quickly sport can... Um, can sort of go from cloud nine to out on the out on your ass really um i was touted to be one of the faster young bowlers in the country and um, play big bash and then literally injured couple of shoulder surgeries later two years later down the track and it's like well geez am i still going to play this game and then ended up um 
had a few footy teams come and then Cricket Victoria said, look, we can't trust your body. We, we can't offer you another contract. And that's when footy started coming and knocking on the door. So, yeah, mate, it was a very, very interesting journey. And I, I actually was speaking to someone the other day. I, I can't actually remember what it was like to actually walk over the white line. I can't remember. Someone said to me, do you miss sport? And I said, it's a really hard thing to miss when you can't remember it. I literally can't remember what it was like to play. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Guy, you're doing, you're doing wonderful things, or you were doing wonderful things before COVID in terms of mental health, which obviously, especially at the moment, because there's so many people that are going through a tough time, um, you know, with people losing jobs left, right and centre, and, you know, you name it, um, with this COVID situation. Um, talk to us about what you actually were doing, and hopefully down the track you'll be able to do again with, yeah. um, with AFL players and mental health. Yeah, so it was an amazing opportunity for myself. Last year, I was injured all year for the Ds, and instead of just sort of sitting and sucking on the sideline and, and, and injured again, I just thought, you know what, I can go out there and try to help other people. Um, and then I was lucky enough to, to come into a program where it was actually first piloted in, in Ireland with big rugby union players. And you can imagine how big them boys were. And they actually struggled with a lot of mental health issues. And they ran the program called Tuck Your Feelings over there. And it was a massive hit. And then, so the AFL Coaches Association, they got some psychologists psychologists together to to run some modules for it was supposed to be for afl players but they went back to the drawing board and said well we need to get this into the community so our target is we try to get to every single um afl community club that we possibly can get to and we sort of just get all the coaches in as many coaches as we can from that league and just try to give them the tools and, and a bit more understanding around mental health and how to look for if one of their players is going through a bit of an issue or even just have that conversation. So, mate, unbelievable um, program it is and I'm looking forward to getting back into it and just some of, the, some of the reception that we've got coming away from it. Like, we walk in and there might be some sort of 15, 20 blokes that have just come back from work and it's Monday night and they're like, they don't really want to be there and you can see it. But then after it, you literally can't kick them out. All they want to do is talk about mental health, how they're going to help their team, how all of the community coaches at their club need to come and help. So been an amazing program um, and something that I've been really enjoying. Yeah, wonderful. Mate, that's good, that's awesome. That's so, so good. It, it's such a hard thing for guys to, to really yeah. let out their true feelings because it's, you know, we consider it almost emasculating, but it's not. It's not at all. It, it's to actually show true masculinity to be able to open up yeah, and, and let it out. And it's, it's amazing what you're doing. That's just so fantastic because I'm sure all three of us as lads growing up, you don't want to show your weakness side or your <laughs> soft side, but it's not necessarily showing weakness. It's showing strength in a very different way. Yeah. It's a fantastic thing you're doing, Guy, and it's a, a massive positive for guys that will really take it and hopefully instill it into the next generation of younger athletes and people coming through yep. sons etc and and all of that jazz so that's fantastic mate really really awesome to hear yeah mate, it's, it's it's good I, I think you hit the spot there i think it's it's just trying to change that mentality of it's it's tough to to keep it in it's actually not it's actually it's tough to actually say you know what i'm actually struggling here so you've, you've hit the nail on the head there massively um i guess go back to um the cricket and, and the AFL side of things. So, Big Bash, AFL, which one? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough decision, isn't it, mate? Because you got, like, if you think about it, you've got AFL, which is a great sport to be in. Um, you've got great 
attention to them, good money now. But then you look on the other side of the hand, you look at someone like a Chris Lynn now and Lenny goes from the Caribbean and plays 2020s there, comes back to Australia, goes maybe to England, goes to the IPO, earns a couple million dollars. So if you're saying AFL, big bash, probably, probably equal, equal. But if you're saying AFL slash T20 circuit, I know exactly where I'm going. I'd rather be hanging out in the Caribbean for eight weeks of the year. <laughs> Bevo, oh, AFL or T20 Bevo, which where one you would going? you be? Oh, good question. Um, in terms of money, obviously, there's more money in, in cricket, but I reckon playing a grand final in front of 100,000 yeah. people or um, playing Anzac Day you know, for Collingwood or Essendon in front of a packed house or, or you know, the, the Dean versus the Pies on June one weekend, that would be pretty awesome, I reckon, guy. Yep. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Who, who do you yeah. boys go for? I'm a power man, and Biggie's a Richmond supporter. Ah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had a bit of success over the last couple of years, then, Biggie. Guy, I was a, a great Richmond supporter. Years. From, I was a Richmond supporter from a young kid. I played football here in the Adelaide Hills for the Lobethal Tigers. Yep. So I was a Richmond supporter from a young age, so I didn't see shit my whole life. Didn't see a win, saw nothing until I was in my sort of late 20s and then finally it came through and everyone's like, oh, you just jumped on the bandwagon. I'm like, mate, I've been a supporter since I was a kid and cried many nights. So um, it is nice, but Bevo's team is the one at the moment showing everyone a clean pair of heels, which is just terrible for anyone that lives in South Australia because we have to listen to it all all the time. Yep, I could imagine. The the rift between... What about you, mate? I always like finding this out. Um, Obviously, yep. you played at the highest level with the Ds, but who did you bag for as a kid? Mate, it's a, it's uh, it's an it's an embarrassing story, really. I sort of my old man was a professional cricketer, and he ended up coaching the Richmond Tigers in cricket, Premier Cricket. So, when I was about ten years old, they convinced me to to go for Richmond, uh, and I wasn't happy with that. So, one of my schoolmates was Riley O'Brien, who plays for the Crows now. Oh, <laughs> Riley! Riley was a mad Port Adelaide supporter. And oh. he can he convinced me to go for Port Adelaide, so I was a Port wow. Adelaide supporter in when they when they won their premiership, <laughs> and then as soon as I was with the D's and the power weren't going so good, I was off there. I was off the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> oh boys, how good was it on the weekend with Nat Anui giving uh, giving Riley over on the phone? How Best awesome was that? Thing awesome ever. Awesome, was wasn't it? It was just it was just great to see some. I always say it, but it's just great to see some personality, isn't it? Just a, yeah. a dead-end game. No one really cared about it. But I reckon half of Australia would have tuned into the first bounds. And Riley did, Riley did around the ground, he did pretty well too. Yeah, he's improved out of sight, mate. Yeah. He copped heaps of stick in that game. I have no clue why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably one of the best Crows players. He's probably the best Crows player on the yeah. field. And yeah, okay. Nick Nat is a, a dead set superstar when he yep. wants like when he's on he's just so good to watch but he's done, it's he? that personality you're saying that yep. that just brings a different feel to the game it's and this season needs it out of anything like yep. you know as you That's both understand it, it's listen to Damien Hardwick talk about the Sydney versus Richmond game saying that yeah. Sydney had 75,000 players in the forward line <laughs> you know and it's a boring game of football like well then get your players to do something good like that that was just yeah, yeah. hilarious I loved it's it not being it so right. damn defensive <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome though to see was it, how was it when Nick Nat walked, in, walked up to him after the game with that phone that was one of the best moments in sport I've seen for a long time absolutely absolutely awesome. mate yeah, well said. You're right, though. We, we do need like more characters in the game, and, mm. and, and you're spot on because, you know, 
we all used to, well, you guys are a bit younger than me, but we used to love the, the my Jacko Jacksons and these sort of guys, your, yep. your BTs, and we need more Warren of these Cap- sort of characters in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got, like, I was speaking of, because, like, the, the probably the bloke in the AFL now that, that shows that character is Maxie Gorn, and Oh yeah, and that's what like I speak to him uh, when I when his podcast comes out. Is I speak to him a little bit about he reckons that they just get trained too young. That like players they get trained to be media bores straight away. So it's always like yeah, no, I love the boys. The boys done well. But how good is it when you see Maxi come on and and says something that's a bit funny and you're like oh, okay. But then also as well as you look on the other side to it him probably having a bit of characters actually led to some commercial commercial opportunities for him as well, which some other players probably miss out on. Yeah, well said, because he's obviously got that personality that yeah. everyone loves. So, um, mm. mate, just talk to us. Um, obviously, Biggie mentioned before about, uh, you know, whether you choose AFL over, over cricket, but um, just talk to us through some of your, your personal achievements and some of the ups and downs of your career so far in, in both cricket and footy. Yeah, it, it definitely, I definitely had a, a couple of ups and a hell of a lot of downs so I can I can go through the uh the ups very quickly for you um I was lucky enough mate I was I was lucky enough to play in a world cup um under, under 19 world cup when I was 17 for Australia and we played in Dubai and we came I think we came third or fourth in that but I got to have meet some amazing friends and travel the world for a couple of years with them boys with some of my good mates still like Billy Stanlake uh and Ben McDermott and that was great fun and um and then, yeah, so sort of went from there, obviously the contract with Victoria, um, being with the Melbourne Stars, and then, yeah, sort of playing my first um, Big Bash game. The, the way that act, that actually happened was in my early career, I had a lot of stress fractures like most fast bowlers. And uh, the way that I got picked up by the Renegades was the Melbourne Stars, I was injured and they got rid of me. Um, and David Saker, our coach at the time for the Melbourne Renegades, was up in the gym and there was one more spot on the Renegades list and I was still injured. I still had a stress fracture coming back and, I was in the I was in the nets and he walked down. I can still remember it. He walked down and he goes, "Geez, you're bowling fast walks." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll just come back from injury. I'd, I'll probably be right in a couple of weeks." And he said, "Uh, yeah, I got one more spot on the Renegades list. Do you, do you reckon you'd be up for that?" And I went, "Yeah." And two days later, I had a contract on the table. So Amazing. that's and then yeah, literally, I started actually started getting a, a run at it and actually playing a couple of games and then made my debut. Um, can't really remember a hell of a lot from the debut. Sort of uh, had a drop catch, Lendl Simmons, in West Indies international cricketer, first over, and then ended up getting hit for about 40 off three overs from Chris Lynn. And literally that was, yeah, that, that, that wasn't the greatest game. And then literally never played a career game since then. Did my shoulder. Um, and I never, ever, and that's, I think that's a, a message for, you hear it when you're young, is that your career can be over so quickly. But for me, I was always like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll play this game until I'm 35. But I never had a shoulder issue. Um, threw a ball in from the from the square at the Gabba, which is the longest boundary of any ground in Australia. And I felt something go on my shoulder. And long story short, that led to two shoulder surgeries. The first one didn't go well. Found out a year later. Had to go back in for surgery. Lost my contract. Went to, could have gone to a few different clubs and ended up choosing Melbourne. Um, and got hit by the littlest bloke on the list halfway through pre-season. And first time I'd trained actually at training for, the, for, for probably three or four years. And the littlest bloke on the list, 55 kilos, Toby Bedford, just hit me. Um, and in that same session, the last kick before the session, it was before Christmas, tore my quad and got a hit. 
And so I tore my quad, ran off the ground, said, I know I've tore my quad, just got scans on that. I said, oh, geez, my shoulder's a bit sore. Um, and I went, oh, it's all right. I went away for two weeks to Newcastle to see my old man and got back and pulled the top off. The doctor had a look at just back and stuff. And he said, what has happened to you? And I'm like, what do you mean, mate? He's like, have a look. He took a photo of it. It looked like someone had just like took a chunk out of my shoulder blade and I'd lost all the muscle in my shoulder and shoulder blade, but I didn't even know. So, um, and then I ended up finding out that I have a serious, um, it's called suprascapular neuropathy. I walked into the, the neurologist office, um, probably a year ago now. Uh, and I walked in and thought she was going to say, Oh yeah, you'll be right. We'll have surgery. You'll be back in six months. And I walked in, I could tell the look on her face straight away. She turned around. She said, you can never play sport again. You've got to try and live your work to live, to, to live your life properly again. So, um, that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever heard. And then she went on to say that your first 18 months, all the recovery that you get back in your shoulder, which will only be 40%, 40 to 50% is the rest that you'll get for the rest of your life. Um, so I walked out of that office just thinking of my career is done. And not only that is I've got a 40 to 50% capacity of my shoulder for the rest of my life. So pretty full on to hear that. Yeah. hundred percent, mate. That's, that's crazy. Like it's coming from a, I guess an athlete's background myself. I yeah. can totally understand where, what you were saying about, your career can be over in a heartbeat. And I guess for myself, I, um, I snapped my bicep off late last year. And, um, you know, well, one second you're really on top of the world. And the next second you you drop down real quickly. Um, and it's something that I try and still, and I'm assuming you do this with your podcast and everything like that and working with the players, is that they also have to understand that, you know, you need that backup plan and you need that, foresight of what you do after your Definitely. career is done because it is 100%. it is a very hard thing to walk away from sport at the top level um and be able to just stay away from the limelight because it's a fantastic feeling that adrenaline yep. rush you get stepping out onto the field for cricket for afl for any sport um and then to like yourself you you had that real harsh ending to a career which you know, is, uh, you know, a terrible thing for someone like yourself who's so talented, so much ability um, to to understand that you, you're not going to be able to do it again. But you've just angled your life in such a way to instill that growth and mental well-being for the athletes around you. It, it shows a very a testament to the person you are, um, but a, a very good um, understanding of what it's like to be a professional athlete, but to also have it taken away so abruptly because it yeah. is a very hard thing. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, Biggie. I do. Um, I think, though, the way I try to look at it is even though something got taken away from me, um, I've, I've understood that probably one of my values and something that I like to do is, is to help people. And if you look at it in the scheme of things, I've lost a career in sport. I haven't lost a lot. I haven't lost people around me. And there's a lot of people doing it a lot tougher than I am. So if I can try to help anyone out, anyone in life at all we given my experiences i think that's that's sort of my my purpose in life now and that's that's sort of what i'm doing with the podcast now is to try to speak to some to some amazing people and and for them to almost give some of their experiences and how they can help people in society as well especially in these kind of times so yeah. that's all i'm trying to Mate, do 
that is absolutely awesome in, in so many ways where you know you're, you're taking a, a so-called negative um in a lot of people's mindsets but you've looked at it as you know what i've learned all these wonderful things in my life uh one door is closed but you've just kicked in another one and just grabbed it with both hands and just run forward with it it's like i said it's a, a testament to the person you are and um you know there's gonna be a lot of people thanking you uh, through their careers for the help and support you've given. No, I appreciate it, mate. I, I think what you were saying before as well is that you've got you you've got a bit of spare time, but you keep yourself engaged by by doing different things and different events in in what you're doing at the moment. I think that's just so crucial, isn't it, to to keep yourself engaged and to keep yourself to keep learning about different things. So I think that's so important. Absolutely, mate. Um, look, I, I'm I'm going to take it back again to the to the sports side of things and. When you were playing cricket, because you, you bowled pretty quick yourself, who was the quickest bowler you ever faced? Because I actually um, grew up here and I faced a, a tennis ball from Sean Tate when he was a bit younger, when we were actually out in the Riverland. And I can tell you that tennis ball came quicker at me and my eyesight is poor at the best. <laughs> so trust me, the tennis ball was well past me by the time I even had a clue playing any type of shot at all <laughs> but I, I definitely would not have wanted to face him they reckon he was the they reckon he was 10 times as worse because he didn't even know where they're going as well so i believe um, yeah i think uh, going back now i've uh, i lived at the academy for a little bit in brisbane um and up there it was good because we got to face um up there living with us was patty cummins ryan harris um some of them boys and they bowled pretty quick but there's always one event that really pops out for me when I was younger. Um, I played a second 11 game against uh, New South Wales and I literally played their shield side. Every, they always did. First game after Christmas, they'd come out and play their shield side against us. And um, it was day three. Um, everyone was a bit buggered. All the bowlers, we were all cooked the bowlers. We bowled a lot of overs. And in second 11 cricket, you can, second 11 state cricket, you can, bring blokes in. So what New South Wales do sometimes is they'll bowl one bloke in the first innings, like a Trent Copeland, and then they'll say to Copes, you sit out for the rest of the game. Uh, and they brought Dougie Bollinger in. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dougie, like, what, well, bowls 135 or whatever, and it'd be all right. And I sort of got... Got out to the middle, got out to the middle, and they had like Sean Abbott bowling, Josh Layla. So they had, a, they had a pretty good attack and faced a little bit of them. And then Dougie came on, and um, I'll never forget it because I was a massive compulsive hooker. Um, so, what that like, obviously, I literally, as soon as the ball was short, I would try to pull everything. So, I can remember the first time he bumped me, I tried to pull it and I just missed it. It was too high, and he ran down, and it was a second 11 game. Like, there's no points at points, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And I went, geez, all right. And next ball he came and uh, he kept bumping me. Bumped me for about three overs and got to the point where he had three back on the fence and he was bowling absolutely rapid. Like I'd faced, like obviously, like, like I said, Paddy Cummins and Ryan Harris bowling probably at full, nearly at full tilt and they were bowling rapid. But Dougie this day, he kept coming down to me and I literally just kept top edging him in between three fielders. And he was getting more and more angry. And you can imagine Doug, Doug the rug, getting angry, more angry. His face was turning red. And every single time I ran past him, he, I'm going to kill you, mate. I'm just going to kill you. I thought he was going to kill me that day. It was the fastest spell of bowling I've ever faced. And I got through it. And then the next over, the spinner came on and got out to the spinner. 
<laughs> Try to slog him. <laughs> oh, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've always, I've always guy. Um, yeah. Because I played, I played footy and cricket, and I played in the Adelaide Hills um, for the Bermond Roosters up there, the Mighty Roosters, and you yeah. know I played against some big units in in footy. And I always thought to myself, would I prefer to have a big hip and shoulder from a big unit, or you know have to face a big bouncer from someone bowling 150 clicks? You know. What's your situation there? Would you rather, you know, cover a big hit from an AFL player um, or actually, like, you know, cover a big bouncer from Sean Tate or one of those, one of those quicks? I would, I would dead set rather take 50 hits from a big AFL player than have wow. to face, have to face. Wow. Because it's, it's, I feel like with the, with the hit, you, you can almost brace for the, for the impact and you know it's coming and it's going to come quick. But the fear that you have in your mind when you know that someone's too quick for you, that, that was probably the only day where I just was out of my depth and I just thought he is bowling way too fast for me and I can't, put, put, like, I can't put my shot away. I don't know what it is, but I just couldn't put it away. And just when they're running in, you don't want to think it, but you just keep thinking it. You think, he's going to bump me here and I am scared. So it, it just, it's almost even before they've bowled the ball, you've, you just you're gone and you just try not to be, but it's, it's a horrible feeling. It's, it's amazing. Cause I never, I, I played cricket as a kid, but I never yeah. really grew up watching. I never grew up playing it, but I remember I was watching the cricket at Adelaide Oval and I was watching from the side. Beautiful Oval. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching Mitchell Stark and I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, I was watching from behind on the hill, and I'm going, "Oh yeah, that's pretty quick going through." Like you see him bowling, and it's already in the keeper's hands. Yeah. Then you go to the side of the pitch and watch it go down the pitch, and you're like, "Whoa, that's a lot faster." So <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine being in your shoes, guy. Yep. Watching uh, again, they they talk about yeah, guys like um, Mitchell Stark or um, uh, just anyone that with that real aggressive run up and that real go through the crease but I'm sure like yourself I wouldn't have wanted to face a ball from you either at pace because again yeah, you're, you're trying to what was it when um, Brett Lee bowled to um, not P- Piers Morgan, Morgan. how good was that <laughs> mate I will give him credit because he mate, did yeah mate how, how strong was he oh mate I, yeah. I thought it was piss funny and I just wanted Brett Lee to just nail it every time but Oh, to, to stand there and actually, what did he do? He stepped forward to Brett Lee. Yeah, charged and they're, and they're sitting there going, mate, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't go towards him. Yeah, it was, yeah, that, that was, that was extremely, no one, I think no one, no one expected that from Piers, but you are right, from side on, the ball does travel quick. I'd hate to face, um, oh, it's, it's horrible. When you just know that it's coming down and on the TV, it looks slow because you can actually pick up the ball, but, in a game, you literally have, I can't remember, it was like 0.2 or 0.3 of a second or something like that to try to react to the ball. And you've got to react. And then if it swings as well, then you, it's even harder. It's incredibly tough to do. Well, would you talk, talking about tough players and stuff like that, who was your toughest player in AFL? Who was your toughest opponent in both sports? In Big Bash, it sounds like Dougie Bollinger was your toughest uh, one in, yeah. in cricket by the sounds of but. Who was the toughest opponent in both games? And also covering, who was the funniest teammate you had? So we'll go with those three. Yeah. Okay. I Probably probably in cricket, I, I'd probably say that game, Doug, Doug was, I think just because he did, it was a great, he's a great competitor and he, he puts his all in all the time. So I'd probably say that game was, was the, a bit of a look to see that, geez, he's 
he's a competitive beast and he actually wants to try and kill me here. That was that was tough. And then probably going back to going back to footy, I'd probably say probably not just as in the toughest because they're the they're the strongest, but one of my best mates who I grew up with, he he's playing um now at Melbourne and his name's Joel Smith and he's just one of them guys that in footy you don't want to have to chase someone with a extreme engine. Um so whenever you lined up on him and you had to you either played half a game or half a drill or something like that or any running exercises. He was just one of them blokes that you just were like, you know, them blokes that you run with and you go, you're annoying me right now. How much endurance you have? And that was almost like Joel. Like he's just a freak, a freak runner. Um, so I hated that. And then the funniest bloke I ever, still to this day, the funniest bloke I've ever met in sport by an absolute country mile. You'd probably know him. He's a, he's a South Australian boy, um, cricketer, Cameron Valenti. He, oh. he is the funny, one of the funniest men I've ever met. And we toured together for probably two years during the under-19s. And still to this day, the boys absolutely love him. He's like the leader of, of the pack in, in sort of the jokes and practical jokes. And he plays like, there's a video of him. He, he's got a montage of scaring um, Nick Benton. I don't know if you remember Nick Benton. He took Nick Benson actually last big bash. He uh, he took a catch in the so he used to play for Adelaide Nick Benson as well, and he took a catch in the crowd oh, at the big bash yeah. on his on his bucks on his yes, bucks party. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> so Cam Cam definitely. If you if you ever get to to try to speak to him, get him on. He yeah. We might have to try and get Cam and Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get both of them on and relive uh, Nick's Nick's buck party, that'd be awesome. That'd That's be cool. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> now, mate, before we before we let you go, um, yep. I'm going to throw one a tough one at you here. Yep. Who do you think's going to play in this year's grand final, and who's going to win it? Oh, geez, it is a tough one at the moment, isn't it? I think it's hard to go past Collingwood at the moment. I, I think it's going to be. I'll, I'll say Collingwood will win it, but I'll, I'll say someone like a Port will be in it with them. I, I've got a feeling it's going to be a strange grand yes. final. And I don't know, I don't know where it's going to be because it probably won't be in Melbourne the way it's going. Guy, you're welcome on the show anytime, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on every week now. <laughs> oh, that's funny, mate. I was about to say, Bevo, before I cut you off, mate, yeah. I was about to go, look, look. What what is what's the future hold for for Guy Walker? What is what is the the rest of COVID, the post COVID? You know, the, what what's the lead on for you, my man? What are we looking at for the future of yourself? Yeah, it, it is a good question. It's probably something that I probably I'd like to be able to answer, but at the same time, it's something that I probably don't completely understand at the moment, as in with with COVID. So I'm just I know that probably my purpose is to try to help people wherever I can, whether that's young and aspiring athletes try to um, miss some of the mistakes that, that I made um, or even in general society, just trying to help people out in different cultures, um, continuing to do this mental health program with the AFL Coaches Association and, and keep doing this podcast and try to, try to interview um, as many incredible athletes and stories as, as possible. So um, yeah, mate, I, I, I don't know exactly where I'll be, where I'll be in five years time, but it's, I'm hopefully, hopefully making some kind of impact on people's lives. Yeah. Well, God, you're doing a wonderful job, mate. I love everything you're doing with the athlete diaries and hopefully once uh, COVID buggers off, you'll be able to do the mental health stuff again, which is just yep. such an important thing in today's society. So keep up the great work with all of that. 
it's been a real pleasure getting you on today and hearing about your amazing journey so far. Well done on that, mate. And um, look forward to speaking again in the future. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.